Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. Hey, this podcast is sponsored, as always, by my good friends over at NachoMamasSeattle.com. Man, Chris and Sandra have been doing this for a while now, and they know just how to do it, and they know where to go to do this thing. You're a food truck. By the way, Evening Magazine and King Five's Food Truck of the year award-winning these are award-winning nachos people these aren't just your run-a-mill you head down to the corner store and get some freaking nachos no these are gourmet nachos these are award-winning nachos and dude and dudettes here's where they're going to be in the coming week wednesday black raven brewing in redmond from 4 to 8 p.m thursday stoop brewing in Ballard, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Saturday is a big thing going on. Urban Family Brewing in Magnolia from noon to 7 p.m. By the way, Washington Brewers Open House. You can meet the brewers and get free tours from noon to 5. Urban Family Brewing is also releasing a barrel Aged Reserve Series Bottle at noon. By the way, that's at noon. Urban Family Brewing releasing a barrel Aged Reserve Series. Noon. And then Sunday, Locust Brewing and Cider at the Junction in Woodenville. Noon again to 5 p.m. Dirty Bucket Brewing and Locust Cider have now combined forces into one operation, one tap room, one amazing establishment. So go check it out. You can't get the brew, the cider, and the nachos along with it. What's better than that? And check out the specials this week. Okie dokie artichoke nachos. All right, here I go. Cheddar and Fontina cheese sauces. Artichoke dip, pickled carrots, sweet bell peppers, and pickled jalapenos. The spicy chicken is optional, baby. And then the Momoa brownie, I hope I said that right, if not, correct me, inspired by Samoa's cookies and Jason Momoa, dark chocolate brownie coated with caramel 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 sprinkled with coconut and it's laced with chocolate stripes also they have a new fermented hot sauce releasing this week called dreamsicle made with fresno chilies Caracara oranges, 
and Madagascar vanilla bean. Vanilla bean, baby. Vanilla bean. Check it out. NachoMamasSeattle.com. At NachoMamasSCA on Twitter. At NachoMamasSeattle on Facebook and Instagram. Hashtag NachoMamas. Hashtag Nachos and Beer. train and this is the bigfoot pro wrestling podcast episode 102 i'm not going to do a long opening tonight i've got a couple different segments on here plus it's really late on a sunday night uh mrs clams and myself made our way up to everett a little bit earlier and took in the uh, without a cause show um and we had a fabulous fabulous time the the match card was great I don't have it all written down here. I just got a few things. Uh, Swerve and Dave Turner put on a phenomenal, phenomenal main event. Beat the shit out of each other. Swerve came out on top this time. But uh, I don't know if we've seen the last of Dave Turner against uh, Swerve. And then uh, also Hammerstone and uh, Daniel Makabe put on a freaking tremendous match. Uh, I thought Maccabe was excellent. Um, Hammerstone was uh, all he was billed to be, and it was a great match. And uh, also, the Strays took on the one and only local celeb, Steve Miggs, and Uncle Muscles. And uh, Miggs and uh, Uncle went over on that one and uh, it was a good time also saw joey ryan and uh chase james you can imagine what happened but maybe it didn't happen what you think it would happen uh touching moment of the night nick wayne teaming with uh, cody chun against cash and uh roses um great thing at the end of the match after it ended cash grabbed the mic said some words about uh nick and uh was really nice and then we also saw a couple other uh matches uh tag matches that night uh daddy's money and then uh pitfall jones mv young made an appearance and uh the whole night was uh freaking spectacular and uh but i'm just gonna get to this week's show first i talked to william from prestige wrestling we talk about the card they just had this last uh, Friday night, um, Tower of Snakes. I think that's what it's called off the top of my head. And uh, we kind of go over his card. What's coming up in the month of May for Prestige Wrestling? They're uh, going to be in Hermiston, Corvallis, and Spokane, from what I remember. And then uh, after we finish up, I give you the local wrestling calendar. And then after that, I talked to Cameron from the Oregon Wrestling Club. And uh, we go over their last uh, show, which just happened Saturday night down in uh, Portland. Uh, Techno- Tectonic and uh, 
Todd Royce went at it, had another bloody uh, match, and uh, sounded like a great card. And uh, the one and only Billy Jack Haynes showed up for that unannounced and uh, talked to uh, the boys and girls backstage and uh, just kind of hung out at the venue and had a great time. So I want to thank uh, William. I want to thank Cameron for their uh, time this week and uh, doing the show. And uh, you can hear all these shows or hear this show and all of the shows at BigfootProWrestling.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and now Spotify. And, uh, dude, next week, tune in. You're going to hear from a female referee that's on the scene. And I'm not talking about Aubrey. And you'll hear from the guys that are probably right now walking and hitchhiking their way back to Canada, the Strays. I'm the L train. You can find me at at Rat Lake Extreme. Usually Mrs. Clams here is with me, but she's uh, taking the night off. And we're leaving the station. Hey, it's the L Train. We're back for another great edition. And this week, uh, another local great show. On Friday night, it was Prestige Wrestling. And uh, I got the one and only uh, William from there, man. Uh, he's here to break it down for us. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Uh, just getting over the the post-show stress and come down. Uh, everything went well, and uh, I think it was a successful night for everyone. <laughs> Does it take a while as the guy that's kind of piecing all this together to kind of, all right, the show ends at, you know, 10 or 11 or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. How long does it take you to kind of wind down? Are you up till the next morning kind of, because, you know, you got to put the put everything away and uh, pack the ring and all that kind of stuff. But uh, what happens after the show ends for uh, William? Uh, I generally stay up until like, I don't know, between 4 and 6 a.m. after a show. Uh, just kind of going over everything, checking out social media, seeing how people reacted. I mean, you got you to gotta pay attention to how people are reacting to know how to keep booking things that work, you know. Um, and the best way to be able to tell that is to pay attention as soon as it happens um, and book everything you can and just kind of scour around and see if people like what you're doing. And if not, you know, you figure out how to fix it. So the aftermath of a show on social media or whatever it might be kind of puts a hand in uh, what you may or may not do next is what you're saying. Well, um, I, I, I kind of book long-term. I mean, I, I know what I'm going to do with the next show, but it does kind of put a hand on how I'm going to try to spin it or promote it um, and, like, where it'll be on the card, stuff like that. I kind of pay attention to that, what people are saying. Uh, like, if I have a match booked and planned, though, that match is booked and planned, you know, because we use a lot of flyouts and stuff. Um, but if people didn't react to the way we announced it, the way I feel or the way I thought they would, it'll kind of just shape up how the rest of the card's going to go and stuff like that to give everybody what they want, you know? And I was uh, kind of looking at uh, some of your videos, some of your, uh, I wasn't there uh, at the show Friday mm-hmm. night, so I was looking at some of your videos, some of your, you know, pictures, stuff like that. It looks like the crowd, man. You had a 
nice little crowd in there. I didn't see too many empty seats at all. Yeah, and if there were empty seats, um, it was probably because people might have had to leave early. Uh, we, we actually had to put out a lot of extra seats. Um, nice. So, yeah, it, it was good. Uh, we were expecting, honestly, less than that because the weather had been so bad. I was real, real worried that people weren't going to come. Uh, and still, I mean, people did show up, but I think it could have done, like, better had this card been in, like, April because I think uh, <laughs> a lot of people would have been a little less scared to come from Seattle. Yeah, it was- um, And we rely on... I'd say I'd say forty percent of our ticket sales come from people that aren't in you know like the thirty mile radius of my region. So we rely a lot on like Boise and Seattle and Portland and stuff like that. Have you seen a growth in the Hermiston ticket uh, sales as you're going along? Yes, definitely. Um, there's a lot of people that I'll see at shows that like I went to high school with or that I knew uh, or know of. I have never been to a show that do uh, either regularly go to shows now or just pop in and, you know, someone will come check out a show because they heard it's really good. And whether they're wrestling fans or not, they're checking it out, you know. And then I've never heard them be like, oh, I didn't like that show. Like, everyone, I feel like everyone loves seeing live wrestling, even if they don't like wrestling, especially when it's good live wrestling. Nice, nice, nice. Sorry, my cat's kind of messing with the mic here. I got to get him out of the way here real quick. But, uh, man, it seems like more... (laughs) Seems like more and more. I had this problem last podcast, by the way, when I was doing a little interview. He hangs out here in the garage, but uh, man, uh, it seems like more and more you're uh, going with uh, the Northwest homebred uh, wrestlers. I mean, I remember when uh, you had your first couple shows. You you brought in a lot of outside talent, which was great, and it's still great. You got Tom Lawler there and uh, Simon Grimm or whatever he's going by right now. And uh, but it seems like uh, more and more you're going with a lot of local folks. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I've always heard that you gotta build your local guys, and you got or just your guys, even for that matter, because there, there's guys like Tom that aren't Northwest local guys. But I really like to feel, and maybe this is an, uh, a sense of pride that I shouldn't have. I don't know. I like to feel like we did help Tom a lot in the early days mm-hmm. um, by just kind of putting him out there on the map. Um, and he would have got there on his own accord, you know, but we gave him that match with Davey Richards at the first show. Um, and then I saw he had a match with Kyle O'Reilly right after that. And then it was just like on from there. We used him every show, and I just feel like it kept getting bigger and bigger for Tom everywhere, you know. And Precis kept getting bigger and bigger. Um, and he got more and more popular. Uh, truth be told, I brought him in as a heel. And as soon as he was in front of that crowd, I was like, he, no, you're not a heel. Like when he came, when he came back through the curtain, I was like, we are going to make you a face. Like, uh, we don't even have to do a real turn or anything, but you're going to be a face from here on out. And he was like, okay, I like working heel, but if you want me face, I could do face real well. And, uh, so yeah, uh, so yeah, building guys like him, uh, Santiago Drexel. Um, I'm really happy with what we've done with Sonico. I feel like we've helped push him quite a bit. Uh, C4 was a team that I created that I was really excited about. Um, <laughs> and Clark Connors has since gone on to New Japan, but Guillermo replaced uh, Clark in that team, and they're killing it right now. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of local guys that are killing it and a lot of guys that I consider like our homegrown talent. Well, let's uh, jump on it real quick. Let's uh, talk about your card. 
As this mm-hmm. podcast release, it's Monday night of the next week. We're talking about your card that was released the Friday previously. And uh, from top mm-hmm. to bottom, man, I think you had seven matches from what I look at here on Twitter. And uh, each and every one of them looked like they could have just made an event, any uh, card going on in the independent scene. So uh, where would you like to start on this card? I have it all written down. If you want me to lead it and have you make comments, you uh, just let me know what you want. Um, so a quick note, we, uh, we did, uh, we had actually eight matches because we had, uh, Pit, Pitfall Jones versus CJ Edwards that wasn't announced. That's the one um, I don't have written down, uh, brother. Uh, yep. Yeah. That was kind of like a bonus match. Uh, Pitfall, Pitfall did kind of put out a promo about it just to kind of hype up that he'd be there. And I, I just love CJ and I love Pitfall. So I wanted to throw them a match on the card and I knew they'd kill it and they did. <laughs> and uh who went over uh on top of that i i saw some stuff on uh, social media that pitfall released from his adventure <laughs> yeah dude he he has really really cool ideas uh <laughs> cj was able to win that one um which i think is going to work well in the story of pitfall anyways because now he's got two losses and i i think he's going to keep going on some adventures to try and find himself and uh make sure his future and prestige is a little brighter than how it started so far. <laughs> nice. Because uh, Pitfall around the Northwest, other shows, uh, man, he's uh, he's completely killing it. Uh, I think I'll be seeing him uh, the Saturday, or excuse me, the Sunday before this show drops, by the way, at a different wrestling card. He, ha- he has, like, such a natural charisma. I had never, I had never met him, and I had never seen his work. Um, and I reached out to... I think I was, I don't know if it was on Facebook or in person, but I think I talked to Sonico and I talked to Max from uh, Without a Cause. Oh, yeah. And I had asked them, like, who are guys I'm not aware of that are up there that maybe aren't on my radar as well? And uh, both of them actually said Pitfall. And I was like, okay, let's let's do this. I'm, I checked out some matches, and I was like, all right, we can make this work. And just upon meeting him, like, even as a person, like, he is a charismatic guy. And I was like, all right, he's going to be great. Um, and for... As athletically talented as he is, I think his character work like is what will really shine. It's like he can get a crowd into a match no matter what. He can, and uh, I've seen him at a couple different cards live now, and uh, talked to him on this very podcast, and uh, love that guy. And I'm uh, I'm glad uh, he's a part of your uh, your family down there in uh, Prestige. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, man. So, which uh, do you want me to bring up another match, or you got one on the? Uh your thoughts well, what do you want to talk about let, let, let's roll with what you want to touch on and i can add on to it well i'm just going to go through your card real quick then uh looks like a great one uh julian white taking on the one and only uh darby allen man your thoughts on that uh i was so excited to get darby out here um i know julian can have a great match with anybody and bring out the best in anybody so that was kind of the the purpose of this match was to get Get Darby out there with a Northwest guy that is going to get a little more notoriety for working Darby, but also not have somebody that's going to overshine Darby's debut. Um, And so it's kind of a more level playing field. Julian is loved by our fan base, and I know Darby is great. Um, And they went out there and killed it. Uh, Good good 10-minute match, um, as you'd expect. Lots of flips, athletic stuff. And uh, I think the fans really like Darby Allen, so I'm excited to have him coming in again. Did he uh, do anything completely insane inside the uh, Oregon Event Center? Um, Speaking I, I of Darby, remember, Allen, by the way, to be honest, <laughs> uh, I 
I can barely see from where I sit <laughs> when I'm watching the show, and everything's a blur to me anyways. I know the crowd was popping. I know it was definitely loud, and I would hear oohs and ahs. So <laughs> I assume we did some cool stuff. Nice. Well, tell us about the, is it the NWA Mexico welterweight championship match? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, Vaquero Fantasma versus Cazador Del Loma. Uh Cazador was on our second show um, in a fatal four-way match with uh, Shannon Moore, Gringo Loco, and someone else was in that. I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but he was in a fatal four-way match on our second show. And uh, a really nice dude. And I just, like, we always keep in contact. He always wants to come back. And it finally made sense because him and Vaquero were going to be in the Northwest. And uh, Vaquero's been the NWA Mexico welterweight champion for a bit now, I believe. And they're just kind of doing a loop where he's defending that belt. Um, I think they're at uh, Lucha Libre Volcanica, like, tonight or tomorrow. I'm not sure when that card is. Uh, But, yeah, so they're just a couple dudes from... uh, I can't remember if they are from Mexico or Southern California, but yeah, they went out there and killed a traditional luchador, you know, in Mysterio style of work. How'd the crowd react to that one? Very good. Uh, I, put, I I had them go out first because like classic WCW, nice. you know. Uh, I got you. WCW I, always have luchas. I, I completely understand as soon as you meant that. WCW Nitros, they came out, they'd have <laughs> like the the cruiserweight, the lucha match first, just to get the crowd just kind of pumped up into it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I told them. I was like, uh, I'm going to send you out first. And, you know, I was like, I was watching Nitro recently, actually, and it was Ultimo Dragon versus Rey Mysterio. And, like, those matches were always first, and it, like, the, A, it gets the kids into it. So the kids are into it, the, the parents are going get, to get into it. And then it gets the casual fans into it because it looks like, you know, a wrestler. It looks like a luchador, what you picture when you think of a, a wrestler, a mass wrestler. Um, and now it's a little different because a lot of people are working that fast-paced style, top to bottom. So I think, I think more so people are reacting to their costumes and their different work because we have nobody else on the card that looks like that. Uh, but it still locked the people in right away, man. Nice. And by the way, this is Prestige Tower of Snakes that we're talking about. And uh, now I'm bringing up a uh, a uh, triple threat. Leva Bates, Mike Santiago. Sorry. Vicky Dice. Thank you very much. My eyes kind of went out on there in my garage here. Oh, no problem. And that, yeah, that match actually got changed up a little bit because uh, Shaft got stuck on his way here. Oh. So uh, Drexel had nothing nothing to do at that point because I, uh, we weren't going to put him out there in a match. He was in that triple threat tag match. Um, and so we were going to put Drexel out in that tag match. So that match uh, became a tag team match, and Drexel got added to the triple threat match. So it was Drexel versus Zicky versus Leva versus Santiago. Oh. And they went out there and just had a weird match, man, like... It involved, there was definitely, at one point, I think Zicky Dice may have pooped oh, in no. his trunks, pulled the poop out, pulled the poop out, tried to feed it to Leva, <laughs> Leva fed it to Zicky, Zicky kissed Leva with the poop in his mouth, I think, and then he low-blowed Leva, and then I think the poop flew somewhere, Drexel found the poop on his own accord and started to eat it, and oh, no. treat it like, uh, treat it like uh, a piece of gold he found. <laughs> That damn Drexel. Uh, I, it was it was 
had no idea they were doing that, to be honest. And I was I was laughing so hard. So that became that match, and it kind of worked into that. Uh, did you still have the triple tag team match after that? So the tag team match after that just became the Strays versus the A-team, which okay. is awesome because I love the A-team, and I knew the Strays could kill it. So, I mean, it was fine just to have, you know, a normal, normal tag team match. Um, Strays, Strays made their debut. They're some interesting fellas. Uh, Strays with rabies is what they call themselves. <laughs> they, they, they walked here. Um, they don't wear shoes. They were begging my crowd, my crowd for money because they're homeless and they don't own cell phones. Did, did they um, look a little frostbitten? You know, it was a little cold outside on their way there, I got to say. They were looking pretty frostbitten, and they were looking... They, they definitely had a stench coming from them. Um, but all things considered, they somehow at some point in their life got wrestling training and went <laughs> out there and killed it with the A-team. Uh, and in that one, A-team finally got their first win. Um, and I think... Uh, I think we're going to be doing a tag tournament for some titles coming up soon. Uh, well, we are. It's been announced. But with 18 getting that win, I, I definitely am considering putting them in the first round of that tag tournament. Well, I think they deserve that. I'm a big fan of uh, Chase and his tag team partner, so uh, that's completely awesome. I'm glad to hear that. You were kind of almost in my head a little bit there, William, because I was like, oh, my God, he's talking about tag team. Maybe, I should, my, maybe my next question should be, is there going to be some tag team belts? And then... You just and, answered it. And uh, a, a good a good lead into that other tag team match right now actually is that uh, the the tag team the other tag team match on the show the C four versus DJZ and Sonico. Oh yeah. Um, that match was a qualifying match for the first round of the tournament, which wasn't planned before. But uh, we got the contract signed at the event center and all that, and the winner the winners of that match are able to go to the first round of the tournament. And that is uh, C4. C4 was able to win that. C4 um, went over in there. The, yep, yep. C4 was able to beat DJZ and Sonico. Wow. Um, and that match was incredible, man. Uh, this is awesome chance. Uh, there were legitimately, I'd say, three or four moves in that match I've literally never seen in my life. Oh my <laughs> I was like, what the hell? How did they come up with this? And I think that really comes from uh, the experience of DJZ and then the the drive and determination of Sonico and C4 to try and reinvent the game and do things like that. So I'd, I'd like to imagine it was C4 and Sonico trying to come up with really cool ideas and DJZ helping them execute properly. Did you turn down the lights when DJZ uh, made his entrance? Uh, I unfortunately did not do that. No, <laughs> we've used him, we've used him a lot, and the lights at the event center are kind of finicky, except when they're being dropped for other wrestlers. Apparently, gotcha. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I did not turn them down. But his his outfit still looks great with the lights on. The kids love it. Uh, yeah, everybody loves it. I mean, he's you know a superstar. He looks great in that outfit. Oh, it's, I would love to see the team of uh, DJZ and Sonico, but uh, can't believe that uh, Team C4 went over in that. And, uh, dude, a couple matches left on this card, man. How about uh, Simon Grimm and uh, Ethan HD? Man, I was so excited to do that one because, in my opinion, Simon's one of the smartest and best professional wrestlers in the world. Um, super underrated. Uh and he, I mean, he's a really nice guy. I get along with him. I've heard people have heat with him before, and I don't get it. Um, he's always treated me great. I've seen him treat everyone around him great. So whatever on that. Uh, but, I mean, he's 
brilliant when it comes to wrestling. Uh, and we can talk about wrestling for hours when we're together. Uh, so, and I was like, oh, Ethan, Ethan's brilliant. But when it comes to wrestling too, let's put them out there together. And it was, I expected it to be a technical masterpiece and it was a lot more of just beating the shit out of each other, I feel like. <laughs> but in, in a, in a good way, like it would definitely, it definitely had its technical elements. They were working holds and stuff, but like Simon was stiff in Ethan and, uh, Ethan was giving it right back to him with kicks and punches and. Uh, ultimately, Simon got the victory with a nuts-looking uh, jumping cradle pile driver um, that I looked like Ethan broke his neck, um, oh and that was great. <laughs> so Simon went over in that uh, over Ethan. Uh, how long did they go? Uh, let's say 15 minutes. Oh. Uh, it was definitely a very good back-and-forth 15-minute match right before our intermission. Nice. Um, and the crowd ate it up. The crowd, uh, I thought Simon was going to be the decidedly good like biggest crowd favorite in that match just because we've used him a whole lot more and he's kind of just starting his journey with us but it seemed pretty split i was hearing simon grim chance and i was hearing hd chance so uh it's awesome when the fans have their opinions like that you know oh man ethan's a, a very popular uh mf if you will yeah. around <laughs> the uh area here canada washington oregon anywhere here in the northwest but then uh so you had a huge, huge main event, man. The uh, the man, King Cash, your prestige champion, taking on the one and only uh, Tom Lawler, man. How'd that go? Uh, that was a long time in the making. Um, so uh, at Rise or Die Trying in December, uh, Tom was supposed to fight Cash for the belt. And uh, Tom, I believe he was broken. Uh, broke his arm and almost needed surgery. And at the last minute, the doctor said he had needed surgery. And it was uh, because he did that fight with Golden Boy. And that fight was incredible. Uh, like, he fought a dude that had never lost in MMA before. And the dude had never been taken past the first round. And I believe Tom took him all five rounds to a decision. Mm. Um, and, like, <laughs> I had never watched a Tom fight, like, full iTunes clips. And I, watching it live and, like, knowing Tom, I was just, like, he's an incredible athlete. So, he broke his arm. He has to drop our show, and I was pretty bummed, but, I mean, I understood. Really sucked. Uh, that, I mean, I wanted Tom to be on every prestige show we've had. Um, well, you know. So, then we get. That kind of is the uh, thing of independent wrestling shows, right? Sometimes people can't make it. Stuff happens, and you just, as a promoter, an owner, a booker, just uh, move on and do what you need to do, right? Yeah, yeah. And so at that event, we just had it Sonico versus Cash in the main event because I knew they could kill it. Uh, Sonico had frankly earned a title shot anyways. Yeah. So that, that match went well. Cash was able to get the victory that night. Um, so, but anyways, we booked our next show on February 22nd that we had recently and uh, we're able to lock in Tom and lock in Cash and the, the crowd was definitely looking forward to that. Uh, submission match rules. Santiago's banned from ringside. Yeah. Um, because Santiago had been interfering in every single King Cash match. Uh, and it was brutal. They uh, brawled around ringside. They went into the crowd a little bit. Uh, they were trying to get submissions left and right. Uh, at one point, a chair got introduced, and Tom took some gnarly chair shots to the back, like some of the loudest chair shots I've ever heard live. Um, and in the end, Tom was able to get a chokehold on Cash. Uh, Cash tried to fight and get over the top rope, and then his feet, fell from the ring and essentially he was being hung via chokehold. 
Um, and he had to tap out because he had nowhere to go. So the cash, King Cash, had to tap out and award mm-hmm. Tom Lawler the championship of prestige. Yep, man. Uh, I, I think I don't think there's any more deserving guy than Tom for that. Uh, cash for what he was was an incredible champion. I mean, he'd been here from, since day one as well. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, he always had Santiago interfering in his matches. But mm-hmm. Lawler uh, has been here since day one. Has had shows doing matches left and right, and has just been overall a uh, a good guy for the company to be linked with and. Uh, the crowd loves him. I, he's without a doubt the most popular guy on our roster. Um, so I think it's on to you know bigger and bigger things with Tom for sure. So then something happened, right? Uh, Tom <laughs> yes. was celebrating his victory, and then the lights went out. And tell us what happened after that, my friend. So after that, MV Young, who uh, we banned a year ago next month, it would be a year ago next month, um, he lost the Loser Leaves Prestige match against Tom, a very brutal Loser Leaves Prestige match. Uh, and Envy Young kills the lights, and then he appears in the ring, and he beats Tom down and says that he's back, and he's accepting Tom Waller's open challenge. And so that is the, uh, the story of it. Um, and I want to let you know how stressful that whole situation was for me throughout the entire night. Because <laughs> Envy Young was under the ring. Um, the entire night. Uh, so we do VIP at 6 p.m. So at 6 p.m. he goes under the ring. That's a long time. Uh, and I am just, that's a long time, man. Uh, <laughs> so I'm texting him throughout the night. At one point he stops replying to my text. I'm like, dude, did you fall asleep? <laughs> and eventually he's like, sorry, I was, I was reading something on my phone. I was like, oh, shit. And then as it's getting closer and closer, I'm like, all right, it's coming up. Uh, just pay attention, make sure you're listening, you notice when the lights go out, and, like, I don't, I don't know if I was coincidentally just feeling sick in that moment, but I was so nervous, like, five minutes leading up to that, to the point that I was feeling sick, that just something was going to go wrong, but everything worked out, uh, uh, even at Hermiston, it's a super small town, so, uh, I was doing everything I could to keep MV a secret from everybody here, because, like, Legitimately, we can go to any gas station here and someone knows prestige. Exactly. Um, so, so I was telling him like, you have to stay at my house if we need food. I will. I gotta approve where we go because I know where everyone works here. I've lived here forever. Oh. Um, and we were able to pull it off. Nobody had an, any idea he was gonna show up. Um, I don't know if you saw the video. The pop was massive. Um, and legitimately, like people in the crowd were freaking out, and it ruled. Dude. That's completely awesome. Uh, I know I was pumped just seeing it on the internet with not even being there, man. So I uh, thought that was hot. And uh, I see he's doing uh, some other stuff this uh, weekend around the area, too. And uh, that makes me pretty yeah. excited. Yeah, I believe he's going to be a without a cause. Um, and then he will be back here down the road. I don't have the date signed necessarily yet that he's going to be here. But there, there are plans to follow up with that uh, that story and see where that goes. Um, and then we also announced our next show, which is May third. Oh, dude! Well, not only that, you've announced your <coughs> excuse me announced your next show in Hermiston, May third. Yeah, but you got some yeah, other stuff heard, going on in May. Did you hear the match that was announced for May third? Though I don't think you did because it's only been announced at the show. I did not. If you're willing to share that right so, now, I'd appreciate that. 
Yeah, so the only, the match that we have announced, like, so something's going to happen with Tom, clearly, you know. So we're, we're building that. Like I said, nothing, like, uh, shoot, nothing's been confirmed yet with that. Uh, but the match that we did announce, uh, it's the first time ever match. Darby Allen's going to be returning to take on Chavo Guerrero. Chavo Guerrero? Yes. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome, because Chavo is one hell of a worker, and to see him against uh, Darby down there. And that's going to be on your May 3rd uh, show at Hermiston? Yes, sir. Thank you for sharing that with us, and that's an amazing <laughs> an amazing match. And uh, can't uh, wait for the rest of your uh, show that day. But you also got yeah. some other stuff going on in uh, May, do you not? Yeah, yeah, in May, uh, we'll be returning to Corvallis for the first time um, in a year. And uh, Tom Mahler will definitely be on that show. Uh, other than that, there's still a lot of stuff up in the air, but I can't. It, it'll definitely be, you know, just as big as all of our other shows always are. Um, and then we're doing Spokane on May 24th, and uh, that's our debut there. Um, and those, those tickets will be going on sale this Monday at 10 a.m., I can't remember when you said this airs, but, you know, Monday the 25th at 10 a.m. is when the tickets are on sale. So if you listen to this in the future, they're already on sale. Uh, <laughs> uh, in, so in Spokane, uh, Simon Grimm will be there. Um, he'll also be hosting a seminar, um, and we're going we're gonna to do some other cool stuff with that. Uh, Simon hasn't worked in Washington in a long time, so he's very excited about that. Dude. It's off the hook for Prestige right now, is it not, man? You got uh, this thing coming up in May. Just had a very successful show and a new champion crown, Tom Lawler. And, uh, dude, uh, any other thoughts before we head off into the sunset tonight? Uh, just uh, things are definitely growing, man. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's planned that isn't announced yet. Um, we're constantly working on getting our product out there in different ways. We're trying to get on different networks and stuff online. Uh, I've seen you and some other people recommend certain networks too, and we've definitely talked with everyone. You know, we're always we're always weighing our options of you know what's best as far as what can help help us the most and help them the most as well. For right now, we're pretty much exclusively on IndieWrestling.tv. Um, we do have some stuff on Global Wrestling Network, and we're working with them to try and get more on their network because uh, they're a pretty large network and saying they have all of the TNA back catalog, so a lot of people watch stuff on there. Um, and, yeah, so really it's just kind of planning new markets, uh, new methods of showing our product, and new ways of getting all of our stars out there, uh, and just kind of pushing pushing the brand and pushing the homegrown talent at this point, giving people matches that they need and matches people want to see, like that Derby versus Chavo match. Oh, man, that's going to be uh, phenomenal. So, uh what uh, what's going on on social media for uh, Prestige right now? I know your uh, your .com is uh, prestigewrestling.net, if I'm not incorrect. And uh, what's going on on Twitter, Facebook, and all that kind of stuff? Yep, it's uh, prestigewrestling.net, and then all of our social medias are Wrestle Prestige. So just Instagram slash Wrestle Prestige, all that stuff. Uh, we're pretty active on everything. Um, I'll be putting out. So the venues aren't announced yet for some of the shows. But, I mean, yeah, just keep up with everything. Like I said, depending on when you listen to this, there's tons of announcements planned. So I don't even know necessarily when I'm doing them. But <laughs> if it's the future, you might have some awesome announcements that have already been announced. And you need to get your tickets now because I think uh, things are going to pick up quicker and quicker. 
Well, I think it's going like that for uh, all of wrestling here in the uh, Pacific Northwest, whether it's in Oregon, Washington, Canada, you know, anything else going around here, man. And uh, I appreciate what you do. I appreciate you coming on here uh, real quick tonight and discussing your card and uh, putting it over. And, uh, dude, anything else you want to say before we drop it off here tonight? Uh, just keep on keeping on, keep, uh, supporting pro wrestling and support, you know, podcasts like yours, support independent podcasts like yours specifically, uh, support independent wrestling companies like us and Defy and, you know, DOA, stuff like that. All the people just working hard to do what they can without a cause is great. Um, and yeah, to support independent wrestling and people, you know, personalities within independent wrestling, because it's going to help everybody grow. All right. Well, uh, tomorrow when I'm at, uh, without a cause wrestling, if I run into MV Young, I'll ask him while he, why he sabotaged your card at the end. But anyway, William, have a good night, buddy, and uh, congratulations. Uh, can't wait to see what happens with your uh, cards in May. Yep, thank you so much, man. You're welcome. Have a good night. Let's check in with the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast local wrestling shows calendar on March 1st, which is Friday, 7.30 bell time, Pacific Pro Wrestling Canada Spring Fever, and that's up in Abbotsford, BC. And then the next night, All Star Wrestling Madness at the Wise Hall. You got Colt Cabana, Bell Time, 8 30 p.m. That's in uh, Vancouver, BC, if you will. The next week, Friday, March the 8th, Defy Dragon Spirit. You're going to see Trajiri. You're going to see Super Crazy. You're going to see a whole lot of wrestling at Defy. Check it out. Bell time right around 8 p.m. Also that night, scheduled at 9 p.m. bell time, 3-2-1 battle. Don't know what the name of the show is yet, but uh, I'm sure they'll be announcing in the next couple days. And then also March the 10th, it's a Sunday, 2 p.m. bell time at Harvey's Comedy Club in Portland, DOA versus the world. Head over to uh, DOAProWrestling.com uh, and uh, get your tickets to that. And then the next week, 7 p.m. on the 16th, Saturday, NWWA March to Glory at the Elks Lodge, Milwaukee, Oregon. 7 p.m. bell time. Uh, I'm sure my friend Tectonic will be on that show. And then on the 22nd, the next Friday night, 9 p.m., 3 to 1 battle. Scheduled show that night. Again, don't know what the name of it is. But then the next day, the 24th of March, WCWC, 14th anniversary show, bell time, 2 p.m., and uh, check it out. And then also that same day up in Everett, Washington, without a cause, 4 p.m., bell time. And then on the 30th, Oregon Wrestling Club, the place that pays homage to Portland Wrestling, the Don Owens Days. Saturday, March 30th, 7 p.m. bell time. Uh, there's supposed to be a big six-man for the main event. And then also that day, 7.30 up in uh, Vancouver, ECC Dub Underground, 7.30 bell time. That is, at this point, the calendar for all local Northwest wrestling shows, Canada, Washington, and Oregon. If I'm missing anything, let me know. 
hit me up at at Rat League Extreme on Twitter or email me Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast at gmail.com, which is BFPW Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, thank you for listening to this message. So, hey, the L train is back. I have the pleasure of speaking to uh, a promoter, owner of a uh, new wrestling promotion, and it's down in Portland, Oregon Wrestling Club. My friend Cameron's here to talk about it tonight, man. How you doing? Good, Lyle. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm, I'm really excited to be part of this and uh, be on your podcast, and thanks for having me. Well, dude, I'm completely happy you're here because, uh, you know, I've been kind of paying attention on, uh, on Twitter. I'm also... Uh, not great friends with tech, but we know each other and he's a friend, you know, and I've had him on the podcast before and he's been talking about, uh, what you're doing down there. Uh, saw the results from the first show so far, saw a little bit about, uh, what you did on uh, Saturday night down there. looked a little, uh, bloody between those guys, but, uh, also you're paying homage to the Portland wrestling days from the eighties and nineties and even before the eighties and, uh, tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing. Well, thanks, Lyle. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's so, there's a lot of split and mixed feelings about what we're doing down here with Oregon Wrestling Club because a lot of people think, especially a lot of younger wrestlers, the younger generation, I mean, I'm 36 years old, and, you know, me and you both uh, grew up, like we were talking about earlier, in the old Portland Sports Arena and Portland Wrestling and Big Time Wrestling up in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people think that that's, era and everything that came out of that era is dead so they're trying to take things in a totally different direction um we try to pay homage to that because without the people from that era none of us would be around so um yeah we're just trying to do something totally unique and different and you know what's old is new again and fans seem to really appreciate that as as we showed in january and february people are really starting to take notice of us and they really appreciate what we're doing, especially people that grew up in that era. So we got a lot of older fans from that era that's really, they're really excited to see part of that magic coming back. Oh, definitely. There's tons of those fans left, like myself, even way up here in uh, Auburn, Washington, which is just like 30 minutes south of uh, <clears throat> Seattle, man. I, I grew up on that stuff. People make fun of me because I talk about it on the podcast all the time, the Don Owens days and, you know, all the greats that went with that. So uh, I, I appreciate what you're doing. I don't understand why would people would want to um, kill that history because it's phenomenal history. It shows what a territory was, the Northwest was back then, right? Absolutely. They, and, you know, it's I can't really speak for anybody else, but anyone that really knocks that era or knocks it either wasn't a part of it or they don't understand it, I mean – you only had to be at the Portland Sports Arena or the Seattle Center Arena one time to appreciate how really special that was. Uh, and, you know, if if that, I don't know if you want to call it a, a style or that nostalgia or whatever term you want to use, if that was really dead, I mean, we wouldn't have 200 people in January and 200 people in February telling us that it's not dead. So oh, man, they used that's, to. that's really my response for that. Pardon me. And they used to um, pack those houses at the Seattle Center, old uh, Mercer Arena, which actually has been torn down recently, um, and the old uh, Portland Sports Arena, which I never got the honor to step into that building because I lived in Seattle. But uh, yeah, 
man, those shows would be packed to the gill, standing room only, just no room. And it was no room, and, way over the fire marshal code. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> of course, and they would do it all over Vancouver. You know, Vancouver, Washington, even up in uh, Vancouver, BC, and they'd sell those house out like seven days yep. a week. Absolutely, it, there was something you know that magic will never be will never be recreated, but we can. Like I said, we can respect that and pay homage to it, and we can make new magic because people still clamor for actual wrestling. I mean, I'm not talking about any of this silly stuff that guys do today. I mean, when you talk actual wrestling, people still do crave that, and they're not really getting it everywhere. And so that's what we're trying to go with here. No, and I think that's great. There's a lot of... uh promotions that have really been you know taking it up to the next level around here in seattle area and oregon and uh up in canada it's great to see because that's just more and more work for the uh the boys and girls oh absolutely we have some phenomenal uh male wrestlers and female wrestlers we had uh malaya hosaka hmm. uh was here for us last night and it you know there's such incredible talent in the northwest that when i see Stuff that really disrespects or is a mockery of of the wrestling industry. It just, my heart just sinks for that because it's to me it's just a slap in the face. It's not people say that well it's just wrestling evolving, but I don't think it is. I just think it's a disrespect to it, and I don't I don't partake in that. So we had a really great card on Saturday, and I'm just I'm really excited to keep this going. We got another one on March 30th, and uh, I think we're just gonna, it's just going to keep getting better and better. So let's just take a step back here before we get into your shows and uh, what's upcoming and uh, what's happened. Um, when did it come into your mind to uh, start this thing? And uh, did you need some friends to kind of help figure it out? Nope, not, not at all. This was, and I'm not trying to take the credit because I'm telling you, our, <laughs> my team is amazing. I couldn't do any of this without them. But I started kicking around the idea uh, in the beginning of late, like late November, early December of last year. Um, and I just got so frustrated watching, and I'm not trying to knock anybody. I'm just, this is just my personal viewpoint. I got so frustrated with what a lot of the promotions were, were pushing that I felt was, I just didn't understand the direction that they were going. And you know, it's not my thing, so that's fine. But I said, you know, I'm, nobody is really paying homage to like we were talking about earlier, this road that was paved for us, nobody is paying homage to that old school style or old school mentality or whatever you want to call it. And I said, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. And if I, if I fail at it, I'm going to fail doing something that I love and what I feel is right. So thankfully we're two cards in, uh, and it hasn't failed yet. <laughs> and so you got that idea, you knew what you wanted to do. It's like, how do you get to that point? You got to get buildings, all this other stuff without me, you know, asking nothing I'm supposed to, but it's like, how do you go from yeah. idea to, all right, today's the first show. We got to build the ring. Yeah. You know, the, it's really funny how all the pieces kind of fell into place. Uh, there was a promotion that had ran a couple of cards, um, not in any way, the way that I would have ran it. Um, 
and then they kind of folded up shop, so there's just this ring sitting there. Uh, it was not my ring. Um, but I said, you know, let's... And after that promoter kind of left the area, I said, let's... I want to do something with this because I couldn't sell anybody on the idea of what I was trying to do, like what I thought that wrestling should be or could be again. And nobody was really buying that, you know? So I said, you know, instead of uh, just begging for a seat at the table, I'll just build my own damn table. And that's kind of what I did here. And uh, I, I had no idea if it was going to work. I had no idea if anybody was going to come with, a building in a shitty part of Gresham, or excuse me, in a bad part of Gresham, you know? Oh, it's okay with and, the uh, explicit stuff, don't worry. <laughs> All right. I, I didn't know if it was going to work or be a total flop. And the first card that we had, we were 20 people away from the fire marshal capacity <laughs> in the building. <laughs> we had a little over 200 people, and then last night we were just under 200. So, yeah, people are really getting into what we're doing down here, and it's making me... But I get a little more excited with each each card that we're running. But, yeah, all the pieces just kind of fell into place like that. You know, it's just serendipitous how it worked out. How are you getting the word out? Uh, I know social media, obviously. But are you going around? you putting up uh, flyers around bars, restaurants, you know, people's car windows? <laughs> oh, all of the above, man. I mean, social media, obviously, that's the easiest one. Um but, you know, printing out flyers and uh, postering in any community bulletin board <laughs> that we can find or any window that <laughs> any business will let us uh, hang it up in and then word of mouth. So speaking of uh, paying homage to the legends, uh, you had Malaya Osaka on there. And then uh, you told me before we hit the button that uh, another legend just happened to show up and knock at the door. You know, it was the craziest thing. Uh, Billy Jack Haynes, which I know everybody's familiar with, Portland superstar, WrestleMania three. Uh, one of our uh, security staff came back to the locker room and said, "There's a, a Billy Jack Haynes here to see you." And I've never spoken to the gentleman. I didn't even know if he lived in Oregon anymore. You know, nobody's kind of heard from him for a while, and I, I didn't know if. <laughs> The security staff was mistaken because I don't know if he even knew. He's a young guy, so I didn't even know if he knew who Billy Jack was. Uh, but then a couple seconds later, Billy Jack just comes in the locker room and told us he heard about us and wanted to come check us out and help out in any way he could. And it was just the nicest guy and the most positive interaction. He ended up doing uh, color commentary for us and... <laughs> Gave feedback to the wrestlers on what they could improve on, and it was a really it lent us credibility because we're like I said, we're going for that old school nostalgic feel, and having him there just really kind of drove that point home. Dude, I'm so happy for you guys to be able to you know meet him and see him and have him there. Just you know, and he was actually there and being very positive for you guys, and um, that's so awesome. Once I heard like Tectonic, I think sent me a message last night on a DM. He's like, man, uh, sharing the locker room with Billy Jack. I'm like, what? Because yeah. <laughs> he knew how much of an old-school Portland guy I am, like all those guys. Yeah. So seeing him there and the pictures and then uh, hearing that story, he just showed up, and I 
you know, heard that from you and Tech and also Max uh, Burnside. Um, yeah, Max How Burnside, great he was teams. coming into the locker room and uh, being just a gentleman and a scholar to people in there. Yeah, and you know what? What I think is so criminal is, you know, like, I, and I know that I can't necessarily fault these young guys, um, but a lot of the young guys in the locker room didn't even know. I mean, Billy came in, and I mean, I'm standing there with my jaw open, not to sound like a big starstruck guy, but I'm standing there with my, you know, trying not to become a fan again. And uh, a couple of the other guys are just in their phone because they don't even know. <laughs> I mean, they're not, they just know somebody just walked in the locker room, and I'm like, okay. like get out of your phone for a second yeah you know this is and then i introduced him and then everybody was super respectful and and nice to him and and he was the same way toward us and just spent well he showed up maybe about half hour before the before bell time and he just sat in the back with us and told stories and just Mm -hmm. educated the guys on different parts of the business and i even told the guys i said you know you learn in the ring, but this is where you really learn your craft is listening to people like this, giving a lot, giving out this knowledge and they don't have to, I mean, they're not being paid to, you know, so you really need to take advantage of this and really be a sponge right now and appreciate this opportunity that you're getting. Cause you don't just always have somebody like Billy Jack walk into uh-huh. your locker room. Not as much anymore, man. Cause no. Because, you know, those guys back then, they learned on the car drives, the veterans, you know, as they're drinking beer, going down the road, all that kind of stuff, and telling stories and telling them, you know, giving them advice and all that kind of stuff. You don't get that quite as much anymore, I guess, just around the weekends now. Yeah, and I'm telling you, you know, I was trained by Buddy Rose and Ed Wyskowski. Colonel DePierre's. Colonel DePierre's, the South African mercenary. And I'm telling you, that's where I learned. I learned more in the car rides with them as terrifying as they were, because Buddy was a terrible driver. <laughs> but, but I learned more in the car rides with them than I ever did working in the ring. Because, that, I mean, that's where you really learn how to work is in, is in the car, you know. And that, it just doesn't happen anymore because we don't have that many veterans left. You know, everybody's passing away and we either moved out of the area or dying and that generation's getting older. And the, it's really... Uh, Billy talked about that last night. There's not that many of mm-hmm. them left, you know, and I think that was kind of his uh, <laughs> moment of realizing his own mortality, that he's one of the, the few ones from that era from here that, that we got left. He is, and he went down the list. I saw the little interview. What is that, the wrestling, or excuse me, the Oregon Wrestling Observer? Or- yeah, I think Josh James is the guy that, I've never met him, but I, I heard that he did a, an interview with Billy Jack there, I think maybe during intermission or afterwards. And yeah, I, you know, Billy, uh, the grappler and Rip mm. Oliver and Ed Wyskowski, I think that's the only four that are really from that era that are still with us. Oh yeah. The, the main kind of stars and all that. Cause those yeah. are the ones I saw. Cause it was basically when I started watching, it was Rip the assassin and the Sheik for a while. I don't know what happened to that guy. But then he left. They brought Dynamite Kid in, and obviously yep. he's gone. I don't know what's up with the assassin or Cuban assassin or whatever they call them. But then on the other side yeah. was Billy, Buddy Rose, Kurt Henning. And, uh, 
Yeah, Fidel Sierra, uh, the assassin, Cuban assassin, he's still with us. Um, but yeah, Rick Oliver, he's he's pretty sick. He's down in Florida, and it's it's pretty numbing when you when you grew up in that era. You know what I mean? And then all these guys that you've gotten to know over over time are slowly passing away. It's pretty uh, it's pretty heartbreaking. But then at the same time, because they're all passed away, I mean, how can you not pay homage to that? Oh yeah. I mean, how could you not honor that? You know. Oh, there's too many greats from then, you know, Dutch Savage and Stan Stasiak, yep. you know, who had won the WWF championship at one point. So, yeah. so many guys. Mike Miller even said he was sick, too. Uh, Billy said that, too, I think. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember he did say Mike Miller was sick, too. I know he was in the, back in the area for a while, but I don't know where he uh, moved away to. Yeah, and, you know, you were kind of talking how kind of there's only so many left. It's also hard to contact these guys, you know, because not a lot of them are maybe on Twitter or Facebook or whatever there is these days. Because when I first started this podcast, I wanted to do it more around that kind of time. But yeah. I realized after a while that wasn't really going to work. But my first ever podcast, I actually made it into two because we talked so long, was uh, Hacksaw Brett Sawyer. That was the first podcast yeah. I did for the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast, and that was a lot of fun listening to him there was some stuff i didn't keep in the interview obviously but then you know <laughs> just i don't know you you might or might know what i mean but, I, I know exactly what yeah. you mean. i know exactly what but, you, mean. <laughs> you know in the good stories though when i got the good stories out of a uh, hack man it was it was really and i was just almost like you know i'm marking out on the other and i'm like i used to watch this guy bleed to death on tv you know <laughs> my god oh man you know when guys like when Hack Sawyer, like when some of the matches between Flair and Sawyer here in Portland, I mean, it was just, there was nothing better than that. You know what I mean? It was just, Hack Sawyer was such a good, good wrestler uh, and just had that connection with the crowd that's so rare. Yeah. Uh, but that's cool, man, that you were able to get him on your podcast. I'm sure he had a lot of uh great stories, but I also know what you mean about these guys being hard to contact because a lot of them aren't on social media. Yeah. And with some of your stories, I'm sure they're thinking they're lucky stars. They grew up in a time without social media. <laughs> exactly. Some probably be in jail. Oh, man. No, I got some great stories about Andre when he'd come up to work and their car rides together and, uh, you know, him wrestling Ric Flair and just gushing blood and, you know, talked about his brother, Buzz and because uh, that was also another yeah. thing I love the WTBS angle when they finally had Buzz turn face to help his brother yeah. against Jake and Paul Ellering and I brought all that yeah. up and he was just I think he had a good time when we were going over the really good stuff. Oh, that's cool, man. That that would have been some good stuff to <laughs> to hear. Yeah, it was good. You can go back and hear it in my archives, by the way. But anyway, man, yeah, uh, man. enough about uh, kind of old school, even though you want to pay some homage. Let's talk about your cards, man. Your first card was, what, Saturday, January the 26th, Rockwood yeah. Prep Academy in uh, Portland Wrestling, or Portland Wrestling, in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> right. Dude, tell us about that night and that card, your first first night. Were you nervous? I, you know, I was nervous because I didn't know what to expect. I mean, you know, we have some promotions in Oregon uh, that have been around for a while, and it's pretty consistent. You kind of know what to expect. You kind of know what your house is going to be. Uh, going into this, I had 
no idea. The only thing that I knew was the tickets that we had already sold uh, during our pre-sale. And so I knew we were at least going to have that many people, but I also didn't know, are those people going to have a good time? Are they going to like what we're doing? Are they going to call bullshit on us and get up and leave in the middle of the card? And I tell you, the, the floor seats were all sold out, and then we had to start pulling out bleachers, and the place just started filling up, and people kept coming and coming and coming. And the I, was, I wrestled Max Burnside, <coughs> excuse me, in the first match went to a 20-minute draw, which that's a long match for these days. You know, nobody really goes that long. And, yeah. so I she, mean, we just had to be... Oh, no, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry, too. Uh, no, that's a great start, I think, because, I don't know. I mean, even when I used to go watch the Nitros, when they'd start them off with, like, a 15, 20-minute cruiserweight title, just ex- not cruiserweight title, but a cruiserweight match, just to get the fans yeah. going, man. Sounds like maybe that's what you did. Exactly, and I, the reason that I put myself and Max Burnside in the opener, I, I wanted to set the tone of the direction that we were trying to take Oregon Wrestling Club, and it was very, you know, Princess Victoria was at our first card, and she was trained by Sandy Barr, mm. and she just said that was the perfect opening match because it was, it was a technical match. It was, you know, we're both baby faces, and... 20-minute technical babyface match isn't easy to pull off, especially in these times that we're in. And, you know, I'm not saying this to put myself over or put Max over, but it's just the truth. By the end of the 20 minutes, I mean, people were just craving more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially when the bell rang and we had went to the draw. I mean, people were really, really into what we were doing. And that just carried through the whole rest of the card that night. And, uh, it was, it was really something special. Our our whole crew put on a great card, and I couldn't be more proud of them. So did you have your referees wear the old Sandy Bar striped shirts, long sleeve with the collar? <laughs> we, uh, our referee, Robbie Kay, he does have an actual referee shirt, but I don't think anybody can ever duplicate some of the uh, fashion choices that Sandy Bar made as far as referee apparel because he had some pretty uh <laughs> interesting choices in the 70s and 80s i sure. love that you knew exactly what the hell i was talking about when i talked I about sandy bar shirt as soon as you said that one <laughs> <what> you were <laughs> talking about oh man but anyway uh still on your uh card one here uh king cash and hbq yep and you know i wanted king cash on the card before he got too big for Portland. <laughs> and he is, you know, he's one of Buddy Wayne's trainees, which I knew Buddy Wayne too. Him and uh, Buddy Wayne and Buddy Rose and Ed Wiskowski are really good friends. And uh, there's something special about King Cash where you just know, you know, he's going to Japan, mm-hmm. I think, yep. at the end of this month or beginning of next month. And I just wanted to get him on our card just to have something for everybody, you know, something unique. And I really have a lot of faith that he's going to do some really special things. And he's so young. He's only like 22 or 23. And uh, him and Quiz went out there and put on this great matchup. And it was a great fight. And uh, King Cash got the best of him. And now he's uh, on to bigger and better things. But 
you know, Quiz is no slouch either. Me and Quiz actually oh. wrestled. This was, I'd probably say 2007 or 2008. Uh, Quiz and I actually wrestled to a 60-minute draw. 6 60? 6-0? He's the only other. I'm sorry? Did you say 6-0? Like an hour? Yeah. Okay, sorry. One hour. We I had to hear that right. To an, an hour draw, and uh, it was that was a really special night because Ed Wiskowski, uh, Ed Wiskowski, Colonel De Beers, came out to watch the card, and oh. we really, really pushed each other. And it was, uh, that's one of my favorite moments that I've ever had in wrestling is wrestling that 60-minute draw against Quiz. He's, Quiz has all the talent in the world, and he could go just as far as King Cash could. That'd be nice, dude, because Cash is, like, hard-working. He knows. I've got to talk to him on the podcast once recently, probably maybe in the last two months. That man, he knows what he wants. He's serious about it. And if it doesn't work for him, he'll give it up, he said. Yeah. You know, I only call BS on one part of that because I I really feel (laughs) anybody who is an actual wrestler – and King Cash, I mean, he's a wrestler as the day is long. I don't think anybody could ever give that up, no matter what they say, because that, that feeling is such a rush, you know what I mean? But I don't think anybody that's an actual wrestler could ever walk away from it for good. <laughs> Perhaps you're right. I'll have to ask him that, you know, after he makes it big and he comes back to my podcast. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just real quick, though, yeah. I did see Cash... Tonight, his match was at Without a Cause. It was a tag match. Him and Rosas playing the heels. Not really playing the heels. He's is the heel. And they were taking on, uh, I don't know if you heard, Cody Chun and uh, Nick Wayne. Oh, Buddy Wayne's son, yeah. Yeah, he was on the card. It, it was a great match. Like, you know, they did a lot of like technical wrestling. You, know, you could you tell they've all worked together. And uh, at the end, Cash uh, gave Nick a big hug and wished everyone kind of could buy and... Uh, it was a great moment. Yeah, that's really, you know, I'm really excited to see what Nick Wayne does. Oh. You know, Buddy Buddy Wayne was one of the first people that I ever met uh, as soon as I got my foot in the door to wrestling. Setting up rings, I was like 14 years old, working for Sandy. And uh, Buddy Wayne was one of the first people I met. You know, Buddy Wayne's not the biggest guy either, especially back then. I mean, he was maybe like a buck 80, a buck 90, maybe. And, uh, you know, looks, Nick Wayne's pretty small too, but there's this day and age, you don't have to be, you know, six foot five and two fifty to make it. You know, no, they worked well together. Obviously, he's a little smaller than the rest of the guys in the ring, even Chung. But uh, you know, they made it work together because they all trained together, and uh, they just had a great time. I think doing it, uh, knowing it was Cash's last time, and uh, I think Nick, you know, he was great in the ring. But what he did is he played to the crowd really, really well, and he sold really well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's all about, right, is just making the connection with the people that pay the ticket to come and see you. And whatever people think they know about wrestling or whatever they, how legitimate they think they are or don't think we are, I mean, if you people that come, to, come and buy a ticket, if you connect with them, they'll forget all the preconceived notions that they have about wrestling if you can make a connection with them. Exactly. I took a buddy to a DOA show one time, and he'd never been to wrestling. And, you know, he hasn't been back since, but he uh, really enjoyed himself that night. 
even if he only kind of half admits it. But anyway, man, let's yeah. get to that back to that first show, and let's just go jump to the main event so we can get to the uh, next show. Top choice, Todd Royce and uh, Tectonic. It looked like a hard-hitting thing from what I could see on uh, Twitter and Facebook, people sharing the videos and things like that. Oh, it was a hard-hitting match from watching it live. I mean, you know, I've known, you know, I trained Tectonic, and I've known Todd Royce for a long time, and I've wrestled both of them, and I don't enjoy wrestling either of them because they, I mean, guys hit hard, but these guys hit really, really hard. Oh. And uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad it was them in the main event and not me, but no, it was uh, uh, our official actually had to stop the match because Tech was bleeding so much. Um, you know, then they came back for the rematch in uh on this just this past Saturday, but there was something so, you know, we talked about being able to recapture that magic or that feeling of the, of that era, of the lost era. Man, watching Todd Royce and Tectonic, who, my opinion, are two of the best uh, in Oregon and Washington, it just felt like you were watching something from that era because they're so tough. I mean, just legit tough guys. You know what I mean? And uh, it was it was really something special to watch. And so uh, that whole thing kind of ended in a little controversy, if you will. Blood got stopped. Kind of reminds me of an old dusty finish maybe or something, you know. But uh, so then your next card, which happened just what? This last Saturday night as this podcast drops Monday. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, break it down for so us. We brought it, we brought it back uh, for the rematch. Uh, tech, I mean, Tech really amped it up about a thousand percent from where he was in January, <laughs> and he was just knocking the shit out of. Him. <laughs> I mean, it's like you're cringing watching it because they're just you know beating the hell out of each other, and you know Todd Royce for as good as he can move in the ring, I mean, with how he moves in the ring, you wouldn't know that he was whatever weight he is, 350 or what, you know, however big he is. And uh, he just got one good shot in uh, on tech and put his feet up on the ropes where the referee couldn't see it. And, you know, when you have 350, 400 pounds coming down on you, it's kind of hard to, you know, when the feet's up on the ropes, Nobody can kick out of that. So, uh, after that, Ricky Gibson and Eddie Pearl, four minutes of heat, they came down and Todd and four minutes of heat are putting the boots to, uh, Tectonic and me and Max came out to kind of clean house. And now we have a big six man set up for March 30th. Any, uh, other things you want to go over from your card from Saturday night? Well, we had, you know, I'll tell you, we have a, uh, I run a wrestling school uh, every Saturday, oh. um, just teaching new wrestlers and um, trying to bring them up the the way that I was. That I'm, I hate to call it the right way because my way is not the only right way, but I try to share with them the knowledge that guys like Buddy and Ed and Sandy passed on to me. And so we had uh, J.J. Little uh, wrestle Malaya Hosaka. 
and that was JJ's first match. And then we had uh, Kylan Rowland and Jamar Sims. They wrestled each other. Those are two of my students also. So we had a lot of uh, debut matches on Saturday. And I'm so, I couldn't be more proud of these guys that went out there and just, they gave it everything they had and uh, really held their own out there. And I'm, like I said, I'm really proud of them. Well, dude, congratulations to you on uh, two successful shows. And so now it's on, what's the date on that uh, show again for uh, show three? So uh, our third card will be on Saturday, March 30th at the Rockwood Prep Academy. Uh, doors open at 6 o'clock. Bell time is at 7 sharp. We're not on bar time, so bell time is actually at 7. <laughs> and uh, and I know you know what I mean. I, I know you all know wrestling mean. shows say this is the start time, and you're standing there waiting. Yep. And you're standing there waiting. <laughs> And you're, yeah, you get I, it, and you keep standing there. And then it starts at some point. Right. Affectionately known as bar time. So you're telling uh, us, you're guaranteeing, you are guaranteeing this bell is going to ring at 7. This bell is going to ring at 7 p.m. Well, that's a bold statement. That, that it, you know, that's probably bolder than any statement that I've made <laughs> so far. <laughs> that's great, dude. And, you know, as uh, as a promoter, you know, I know promoters kind of, oh, wait 15 more minutes, wait 20 more minutes, we'll see if we can get more people in. But I'm also an active wrestler, so I don't get paid by the hour, so I want to get things done and go home just as much as all the other guys on the card. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, you got, people got flights to take, cars to catch, you know. Yeah. Mom's got to exactly. pick them up. Or whatever. I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Portland, so, you know, buses to catch. <laughs> Any of the above. No, but, you know, I really try to keep it. Uh, I think that's the other thing that people really appreciate about the two cards that we've ran so far. Because you go to some pro just any promotion that you can think of, and a lot of them just, there's like 11 and 12 matches and then it starts a half hour late and then the intermission's like 40 minutes. And then before you know it, it's like the four and a half, four, four and a half hour card and it's not getting over to like 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. And right. that's, that's just not, I think that's disrespectful to the fans. Hey, if you I know? wanted to watch wrestling for five and six hours, I'd watch WrestleMania. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, yeah, and unless you're giving me a WrestleMania quality product, I don't want to watch your card for <laughs> four or five hours. Right, yeah, that could uh, come to a head. But no, I'm I'm really adamant about keeping keeping our cards within the allotted time. You know, I give the matches time limits. You know, and if you go to the time limit and it's a draw, at least I know with how many matches on the card, we're not going to go over time. So oh, right, right. I try to be really mindful and respectful of. Of our fans and our wrestlers' time. Got to, man. People got stuff to do, families, all that kind of stuff, but still want to be a part of the wrestling thing. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. And, uh, dude, uh, I would love to have you back again and just kind of, when it gets closer to your card, and discuss 
the matches you have. Plus, I would really like to get in to kind of your training and what you've done in the in the business besides promoting and owning a show. Yeah. Oh, I I would love to be. It would be my pleasure and my honor to be back on the card. Well, let's uh, on your podcast. Hey, it's I, all right. I use the word I use that term so much that. But no, it, it would be a pleasure and an honor to be back on your podcast. I, would, I, I genuinely mean that. I would love you to back be back on my card, assign talent, if you will. But I got no money to pay you. Sorry, but anyway, I would love to do that. Let's do that. Hey, are you a promoter? Because <laughs> I usually only hear that line from promoters. <laughs> well, I'm a promoter of this podcast. I'm a promoter of Northwest wrestling no matter what it is from <laughs> all the promotions man because i just love it and uh it reminds me of back in the territory days like we were talking about earlier don owens you know the nwa would come in the awa you know so my bigfoot podcast has oregon wrestling club prestige three two one you know without a cause everything i love it all man doa yeah and that's great and i you know I'm not ever going to come on and, and knock anybody else. I mean, I can say what I like and what I don't like. I just hope, you know, I hope everybody's successful, not just for the promoter's sake, but for all the wrestlers' sake, too. You know, these guys are out wrestling for not very much money, um, just trying to build on a craft that they love. And I, I hope everybody's successful and gets a, a fair shake, at least at the opportunity uh, to be successful. And I think that, the more success that the promotions have, that trickles down to the wrestlers. And that's the, uh, the only version of trickle-down economics that I believe works. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> sounds great. Like I said, I'm going to take you up on that offer to uh, talk again in a couple weeks. And uh, So, again, March 30th, 7 p.m., down there, uh, what is it, the Rockwood Prep Academy? Rockwood Preparatory Academy. We're right off 182nd and Stark uh, in the Rockwood area of Portland. And uh, 7 p.m. sharp. Scouts on her. You have my word. 7 p.m. The bell will ring. This man guarantees a bell on time. And also, what your social media? What's going on? You're on uh, Facebook. You're on uh, Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Those are our big three uh, social media outlets. And we'll also be uh, releasing the new training facility page nice. uh, for the Oregon Wrestling Club. So we're taking new students. You know, we wanted to get the first couple of cards underneath our belt first uh, before we opened up training again. So uh, any men or especially women interested in training, definitely feel free to email the Oregon Wrestling Club page, the Instagram page, or our Twitter page. And uh We've really latched on to something special, and I'm just really excited to see where we go from here. Well, I'm a fat, old, out-of-shape, 46-year-old, half-bald. No, I'm not quite half-bald yet. Can I come down there and train to be, like, a, a manager or something, and, like, I could be the next Bobby Heenan? You know, there won't ever be another Bobby Heenan, <laughs> but if, you're, if your podcast is any indication of how successful you'd be, I think you could have a good shot. But... If you are successful, I don't have any money to pay you either. So uh, it would be a fair right. trade-off. I'd have to do it for the fun <laughs> of it. Plus, I don't think my wife would let me come to uh, all the way down to Oregon from where I live and uh, train like that. But anyway, man. Hey, that, fair enough. That was fun. <laughs> but anyway, let's do it again soon. Uh, and then you have, we talked about it, your Mar March 30th. Any final thoughts from the Oregon Wrestling Club tonight? Cameron. 
you know, these are my final thoughts. And I, this is a sincere from the heart statement. Everybody that's been supportive of us so far, we really take this to heart. My, not just myself, but our whole crew, uh, really take it to heart because like I said, we want to pay homage and respect for the people that made it possible for us to be here. And anybody that hasn't wished us well, we just use that. We don't respond to negativity. We just use that to fuel ourselves, uh, to be more successful every day. And that's, that's my final thoughts on that. All right, man. Oregon Wrestling Club, get your tickets for March 30th, brownpapertickets.com. And uh, Cameron, thanks for your time tonight, and we'll talk again soon, bro. All right. Thank you, my friend.